Glad His grace is sufficient. Amen? Let's take our Bible tonight. Turn over to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. Proverbs 17, 22. Uh, simple tonight. Very simple indeed. We're going to be dealing with depression. I'm just going to talk to you a little bit. I'm going to give you a couple of suggestions. And some say, well, these aren't very deep. They're not very, <clears throat> you know, that's all right. Just they can help you great. Okay. Let's just talk a little bit about that tonight, though. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. <clears throat> the Bible simply says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Anybody who's ever <clears throat> been in a position where they've dealt with anything remotely close to depression understands a little bit about that second part where it does indeed tell us that a broken spirit drieth the bones. It causes us to wither away. You know, um, boy, I'll tell you what, a merry heart's a wonderful thing. And you know, the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to have merry hearts. He truly does. And um, that merry heart, make it like a medicine, it just, uh, just seems to heal and help us in so many ways. But boy, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of broken spirits along the way. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's out in the world or in the church, they're there. And, you know, we need to be aware of that. We need to be sensitive to that. And um, by definition, the Mayo Clinic staff has put together a definition, and they said that depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest. Also called major depression disorder or clinical depression, it affects how you feel, think, and behave, and can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems. You may have trouble doing normal day-to-day activities, and sometimes you may feel as if life isn't worth living. That's how they defined depression. The National Institute for Mental Health estimates that in the United States alone, 16 million adults had at least one major depressive episode in 2012. That was, at the time, 6.9% of the population. According to the World Health Organization, There are 350 million people worldwide that suffer from depression. It's the leading cause of disability, they claim. Among believers, sadly enough, depression and anxiety leave its crippling mark as well. And tonight, I I simply want to address this growing problem and offer some hope to those who would consider themselves depressed. And again, I understand that doctors in some cases are quick to diagnose and to label people as being clinically depressed. I understand that. I know that some doctors immediately prescribe drugs and begin a regimen of therapy sessions. I also know that there are some physical reasons, however, for depression. There are physical reasons. And some of those demand treatment. They legitimately need medication. They legitimately need somebody to help them with that. I also realize that there are some folks who battle with depression that are fighting primarily an emotional battle that in turn, indeed, affects them physically. If you've ever been in any sort of way depressed, I mean, if you've been depressed, I mean, and I'm not talking about down in the dumps. I'm talking about depressed. You know that it affects you physically. It has its effect on you, not just emotionally, but physically. So it can be very devastating in your life, very devastating for your family, devastating for your workplace and whomever and whatever is depending even on you at the time. Now, excuse me, 
A number of folks um, have been classified as depressive um, because they have a particular illness or a disease that is either debilitating or could lead to death. Now, we need to understand that when somebody has cancer or they have an issue like that where, first of all, they're on a number of different medications. Medications can cause depression as well. So, you know, that's a whole other issue, but a number of people that are depressed, um, a a large number of people, uh, come from that particular group as well. So, if you are lost in your sin, and you don't have uh, the hope of everlasting life, and you find out that you have a disease that could take your life, uh, that's depressing. That's pretty normal. I remember years ago, a young lady that I knew had uh, lost her daddy. He had taken his own life. She was just a young teenager at the time. As the gory details came out, her life spun out of control. Emotionally, she found herself in depression. Well, that seems pretty normal to me. Would that seem normal to you? I mean, you're a 13 or 14-year-old girl. Your daddy takes his life. Depression or being very depressed and discouraged would be something that would be pretty normal. The doctor said, well, you're depressed. We're concerned you might be bipolar. And I said, no, she just lost her daddy. He just killed himself. That's a good reason to be depressed. Now, listen, I I want you to understand something. Depression is as real as a broken leg. I just want you to understand that. Now, whether or not you've ever been there or not, I don't know. But what I can tell you is this. It's not just something that you pull your boot, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's, that's not how it works, okay? On the other hand, there are a number of factors that play into this. And I don't want to go into all the factors. That's not why we're going to talk tonight. I, I really don't care why you're depressed. I, tonight, I don't really care. I don't care if you're legitimately depressed or you just think you're depressed. I don't care if you're clinically called depressed and you're really not. I, I don't care what the... I'm just telling you, if you ever felt depressed or feel depressed or you feel like the just like the definition of Mayo Clinic was that it says here you uh, let's see let me find it here a mood disorder that causes persistent feeling of sadness or loss of interest then I want you to know tonight I want to help you the best I can I'm not a doctor at least not a physical doctor I, I don't have medication but what I do have is the balm of Gilead And so all I want to share with you tonight is a couple of thoughts. And these are very practical, mind you. This is not going to be, you know, some deep theological study. I just want to share some basic thoughts that I believe will help you. And in the past, when I've dealt with people that have been in this position, I found that some of these things have helped them. So I thought I'd share them with you. Because whether you believe this or not, there's been a number of people probably in this room that have felt that way before. And you know what? We can all use this. Because if we're not there, we may end up there one day. You may get put on a blood pressure medication that puts you in the deepest throes of depression that you ever felt in your life. You feel like killing yourself. Now listen to me. I know that stuff you say, that never happened to me. Okay. Yeah, I understand. Never happened. <clears throat> I'm just telling you, it might do just at least listen. Okay. And if it's induced from a physical standpoint, you definitely need to seek out help medically. 
You really do. And if you have horrible depression, I want to encourage you to get the help you need. You really need to get the help you need. It's too often that we see people hurt and harm themselves that have this. We don't want that to happen to you. Now, let's go ahead and talk about some things tonight. Let's have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to give you eight things very quickly that I believe can help. I'm not saying they're going to fix it, but they can help. And in many cases, I've noted that some of these things have made a difference in folks that were struggling with depression. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. Help us now, Lord, tonight. And Lord, may our hearts be open. Sometimes, Lord, not so much in our day and age now, but a, a generation or two ago, <clears throat> depression was something we didn't talk much about. Uh, we, we felt like that was for weak people, people who didn't have, you know, the strength to stand up and they just were pummeled by life. But Lord, I, I know firsthand a little bit about this and uh, I don't live like this all the time. I'm not in nearly bad a shape as some folks, unfortunately, that deal with it. But I know something about it, Lord, you know. You allowed me to experience it a little bit. And so, Father, my heart is broken for people that are dealing with it. And I pray, Lord, you'd help me to be a blessing tonight. Lord, I, I know, Lord, if it wasn't for your grace, I'd be there every day of my life. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your strength. And for those seeking that strength and grace, Lord, I pray that they'd never forget that you love them and that, that you're there for them and that it is sufficient and you can meet that need. Oh, help them, Father, to truly allow you to do just that in their life. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> now, number one, honestly, if again, like I said, they're very simple, practical. Number one, listen to good music. If you're feeling depressed, listen to good music. I'm not talking about country music. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about the stuff that throws you back somewhere in your life where you were, you know, something horrible took place in your life, or it was a rough time in your life, or it reminds you of difficult times. I'm talking about good music. I'm talking about <clears throat> uplifting music. I'm not just talking, I'm not talking about the world's music either. I'm talking about godly music. I'm talking about even some classical music, things that feed the soul a little bit. <clears throat> and again, notice, I'm not telling you it's going to fix you overnight. I'm just saying, we start putting all this together, it may help us, enable us to dig out just a little bit, allow our heart and our mind and our body to fit together. Because most of the time when people are depressed, most of the time it's an emotional issue. It's often rooted in past. Or it's rooted in circumstance. It's rooted in some tribulation and trials that they faced in life, overwhelming circumstances that they have to deal with and so forth. So sometimes little things can make a big difference in the long run. In 1 Samuel 16, 23, we have a perfect example of this. In 1 Samuel 16, 23, it says, And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Now, I don't know about you, but if there's depression in your life, that, there's not, no, that's not a good spirit. That's an evil spirit. That's a bad spirit. And nobody that's ever been depressed wants to ever go back there again. And the fact is, is that in this particular case, Saul, he at least understood what it was to be kind of oppressed by a bad spirit. And, and he was being controlled by a bad spirit. And, and it's, again, it's not one of those things you just say, okay, snap out of it. Man, it is a spirit that holds you. It binds you. 
And you know what? Who knows? Just like Saul here was refreshed, just like he was well as a result of some good, godly music, it can only help. It can't hurt. Listen to good music. Number two, turn if you would to John chapter 3 real quick. And then we'll go ahead and I'll make a mention of the point. John chapter 3, we'll start there, verse 19. <clears throat> Number two is this. Here it is. And this is not easy when you're depressed. Turn on the lights and open the blinds. That is hard to do when you're depressed. You don't even want to pull the covers back over your head. You'd rather just stay under the covers. But again, we're trying to take little things and we're going to add them all together and hopefully they begin to help do something inside, not just on the outside, but turn on the lights and open the blinds. You say, what's the premise for that? Well, let me just read a couple of things. And again, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to say, listen, don't misread what I'm saying here because the passage is going to talk about evil men and darkness. I'm not saying that you're evil for being depressed. I'm saying that darkness and evil go hand in hand. Let me tell you that. Now watch what happens here in John chapter 3, verse 19. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Now we know that Jesus Christ was the light of the world. We, we understand that. Now we're the light of the world. But, but notice, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought of God. In 1 Peter 2, 9 it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the whole point is, we start thinking about association. Darkness is, is representative of, of evil. You know, we, we walk in darkness, we're walking in evil. We walk in the light, we're walking in Christ. And my point being is, is it seems to me that every time we get truly depressed, someone that's depressed, it seems like, have you ever walked into the house of somebody that's depressed? And all the blinds are closed and it, the darkness is abounding and, and you're lucky if there's a little light to snap on. And you sit there in darkness and you feel the oppression of it. You just feel it. Man, open the blinds. Turn on some lights. Man, the darkness is not something that's going to enable you to, to, to overcome depression. It's only going to feed depression. It's only going to feed it. It's not going to help it. And as annoying and as difficult as it can be to open a blind, <laughs> because you have to actually... You know, I don't even want to get into all that. But open a blind and turn on the lights. And it will, it, it, it's got to, it'll, it can't hurt again. But it definitely could help. <clears throat> Number three, be in church. This is like pulling teeth when you're depressed. It's hard to get out of bed, like I said. It's even harder to get out of the house. Now, <clears throat> Again, like we said already, <clears throat> men love darkness rather than light. Well, guess what? Jesus was the light. Now we're the light. So, you know, one of the reasons why it's hard to get to church sometimes when you're in sin is because you're going to have to face everybody that's in the light. You've got to face people that are trying to be Christ-like. And that's convicting. It's convicting. Now, when it comes to this issue of, of, of depression, church is important because, well... 
And if Hebrews chapter 10, turn there if you would. Notice what the passage says in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. <clears throat> when you're depressed, you need all the light you can get. <laughs> it's, it's, it's desperately dark in our hearts and in our lives when we're in that midst, midst of that mess. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. The Bible says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I don't like to go to the doctor. When I go to the doctor, sometimes I don't like because I'm afraid of what I might hear even. You ever go when you're worried that you might get a report you don't really want to hear, and you're almost like, as much as you know you should go, you don't want to go, because there's a part of you that just, it's just a hassle. And then who knows what I'm going to hear. Well, you know what? When we get so depressed or down the dumps, so to speak, sometimes even we don't even want to go where we can get help. We'd rather just waller in, in the mire. We're comfortable in it. It's, it's, we're safe there. We, we're going to have to expose ourselves. We're going to have to open ourselves up a little bit. We're going to have to actually walk through those doors and people are going to actually look at us and see us and ask us questions and say, how are you? And we're going to put a fake smile on. And we really don't want to even be there. We don't really want to be out of bed, let alone in church. And we don't want to face life at all in that circumstance. But hold on. It's like going to the doctor. Sometimes you need it. And you know what? Church is a place where the Bible says that we are provoked unto love and to good works. It's a place where we're exhorted. That means that the fellowship with God and His people brings encouragement. It helps to uplift us. Man, you you know, fight the urge to isolate yourself when you're depressed. I'm not saying that you're going to win all the time, but fight that urge. Don't allow yourself... To just die, to, to to submit to that urge, because that's that's what you feel. You don't want to be around people. You don't want to get. Uh, you just don't want to be around no one. So it may be miserable, but you might as well be miserable at church where the music and the message and others can help uplift you. I mean, you're miserable anyway. Be miserable at church. Be where you can at least maybe get something by chance, even on accident. It's funny how that works sometimes. And sometimes, whether we want to admit it or not, it does help to get around somebody. Just even if it's for a moment, it helps. What happens most of the time is people go back into a shell somewhere and they don't allow others to even be a part of their life. You start to, again, be a recluse in a sense. And, and that's, that's not helpful. It's not productive. It's not going to help you dig out of your depression. So listen to good music. Turn on the lights and open the blinds. Be in church. And let me give you another one that's pretty practical. Pray out loud. Pray out loud. You know... <clears throat> It's that time, you know, when life's that difficult that you need prayer most. That you need to be able to get a hold of God and, and, and get His help in your life. But let me tell you, 
it's hard to focus when you're depressed. It's, it's hard to pray sometimes. Think, you just can't concentrate. You can't focus. And so when you go to pray and you close your eyes, man, you're just overwhelmed. Well, you know, sometimes it helps to pray out loud. It forces focus amidst, amidst the emotional chaos in your life. It, it keeps you, you... When you are forced to verbalize your prayer, you have to focus. You're actually putting forth effort now. You have to concentrate on what you're going to say next. And that helps sometimes to keep you on track a little bit more. Because you need prayer. Even though you're so down the dumps, you can't, can't even lift a hand up in a sense. You're so burdened down, physically drained, and so weak, it may be. But you need God and you need prayer. Pray out loud. Pray out loud. You might be surprised. You may be able to get through a prayer without losing total thought or concentration. Work at it. Praying out loud. Number five. You need to combat depressive thoughts. You need to combat depressive thoughts. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 again, verse 3 through 5. Again, I'm no doctor. I don't have all the answers. I promise you that. These are just some suggestions, some thoughts that will help, could possibly help you in putting you on the right direction to digging out of depression. We can never underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, and we can't underestimate the power of the Word of God in our life. We can't allow ourselves to somehow believe that the God in heaven that saved our soul and washed us clean, cannot give us the ability or the strength to overcome things like depression in our life. We need to be very careful that all of our trust is not in just mankind, that our trust is in the Lord. We have to work on that. We're still supposed to be a spiritual people. And and like I said, now again, if you break your leg, you're going to go to a doctor and you're going to get a, a splint put on it. And if you are broken emotionally, then obviously, then you need to go to the one who can fix you. Well, I understand that there are doctors that are, you know, specifically dealing with those areas. But let me tell you, I know a God in heaven that can do that too a little bit. Let's not just dismiss God in this process. Let's not just assume we have to rush right out to the world. Let's let God do his work. And if we need a doctor, we'll go to another doctor in this world as well. That's okay. There's no shame in that. When there's need is arising there. But let's not dismiss God either. Combat depressive thoughts. This is going to take some work right here. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, and we talk about it, verse 3 through 5, all the time. Chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Again, notice real quickly... Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or physical, fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Depression is a stronghold. It's a major stronghold. Now hold on. There are physical reasons for this, for depression at times, that will demand maybe something physical to help you. Medication, something like that. But many times there are emotional strongholds that often maybe through prayer and through seeking the Lord and through allowing ourselves to live the life that God intended for us, 
truly appropriating the promises of God in our life of forgiveness and, and some of those areas of putting our past behind as God has done, they can help us tremendously with this. And combating depressive thoughts is important. Verse 5, casting down imaginations. It's amazing what you think when you're depressed. You know how quickly you are valueless? When, when you're depressed, you feel like you're a big zero. That you can't do anything right, that you're a waste of oxygen, that you'd be better off dead, that everyone would be better off with you dead probably. It's amazing how the devil will get a hold of your heart and twist your feelings inside out. And even when you hear the word of God, you're going, whatever, I know how I feel. And it binds you. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, a couple things under this. It's important, and again, I know it's, listen, some things are preparatory, some things are maintenance, okay? And, and if, you, um, if you have a vehicle, you get your oil changed on a regular basis. You want to know why? Not because your engine is blowing up, but because you don't want it to blow up. Right? I mean, there's things you do. When I was in the military, we always had these, you know, preventive maintenance checks and services. And we'd have to go through this checklist all the time, hitting everything, checking this, check that, check this, check that. Why? Because the vehicle was broke down? No, because we didn't want it to break down when we needed it most. Well, some of this stuff is, some of these things are things that we do to help to alleviate the potential for to overcome things, maybe to be more grounded and capable of overcoming some things before we get into the throes of depression. And one of them is memorizing some scripture. You know, when you're in the midst of depression, it's hard to focus on scripture. It's hard to focus on memorization. But when you're not, you need to be hiding scripture in your heart because you're going to find you're going to have to fight some feelings in your life. You have to fight some of those things with truth. Because most of the time we function on feeling instead of fact and faith. And so we have to be real careful. So we prep ourselves. We prepare ourselves. If you're not depressed right now, be memorizing some scriptures. Scriptures that when you start to feel yourself start to slip, you can quote them to yourself and you can begin to talk to yourself instead of listen to yourself. So... Memorizing the scriptures. Why? Well, because next we're going to claim scriptural promises. There are promises in the word of God that help us. We've got God's love. We know God loves us. Biblically, scripturally, we know that. For God so loved the world. But you don't feel loved when you're depressed. Why is that? Does God cease to love us? No. But we're functioning from emotion and from feeling. So what do we have to do? We have to combat that feeling. We have to say, for God so loved the world, and that includes me. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. And you say, that's stupid. It's better than going around, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I feel horrible. I'm a big loser. So it's up to you. I mean, are you going to go ahead and listen to yourself? Or are you going to talk to yourself? I'm going to take the scriptures and I'm going to start telling myself what the Bible says about God and his relationship to me. What I am in God's eyes. I mean, see yourself through God's eyes. 
Have you ever thought about how God sees you versus how someone else does? There's not a person in the room that's not insecure in some respect or another. We all have insecurities. Because we really know our weaknesses and we know really what and who we are if we're honest with ourselves. And so what people see isn't always what we see. But I'll tell you, the devil is good at getting us to focus on those areas of insecurity and weakness in our life and causing us to doubt ourselves and ultimately even criticize ourselves and put ourselves down. Well, all along, God's saying, like he said to Gideon, hey, mighty man of valor, I see you over there. I know you can accomplish great things. I know that you're valuable in my economy. You are somebody to me. But we don't feel that way when you're in the throes of depression. So you have to talk to yourself. We think about Gideon again and Judges 6. And man, I mean to tell you, I mean, here's this guy. He's scared to death of the enemy. But before it's over with, God's calling him a mighty man of valor. Gideon was no more mighty standing there than he was just a few minutes ago, you know, threshing wheat and hiding. But yet God's saying all along, I've seen you differently than you see yourself. And you know what? When Gideon started recognizing the fact and seeing himself the way God saw him, it changed how he faced life and how he dealt with circumstances and how he felt about himself. He said, you know what? That, I th- God's on to something here. And you know what? we got to let God tell us who we are, Amen. what we are. Amen. And that's true even in Israel. I think about Israel in Numbers 13, and it's one of my great... I love this illustration, but Numbers chapter 13. Look there if you would real quickly. I mean, we got to combat these depressive thoughts. I, I think if there's the one thing that, that, that it was really hard f- for me, and, I, and again, I didn't go through it like some people. Listen, I'm not even going to try to claim to be on the same level as folks who go through, you know, this difficult, I mean, really deep depression. But I knew at one point in my life a little bit about it. And here's the one thing I remember. I always had something bad to say about myself. Always. You're a loser. You're nothing. You can't do anything right. You're stupid. And I remember talking to myself, and and I say talking to myself, but feeling, listening to myself say those things. But is that how God saw me? No. Just a month before that, I wouldn't have said those things probably. Now, sometimes I do say that. The other day, Sherry said, quit saying you're stupid. Because I was like, man, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. I am so dumb. She's like, quit saying that. Thinking there's no kids around to hear it anymore. <laughs> but you want to know something? That's not a good, good way to handle life, is it? Going around saying those things. I'm only reinforcing things that you say about me. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Oh, I got you, didn't I? Okay, well, anyway. <laughs> I'm glad somebody thought it was funny. The rest of you are like, I really wasn't, be- I wasn't being serious. I was joking with you. But anyway. I feel that way sometimes, so do you. But boy, I'll tell you what, we better be careful. And when you get depressed, let me tell you something. The devil really accentuates these things in our life. Now, so here we are now. Look at Israel, Numbers chapter 13. In, in the book of Numbers, um, we got Israel now. And, and Israel's planning, of course, um, to go into the promised land. And he sends his spies in. His spies come back after doing a recon or checking out the area. And he sent them there not to determine whether or not they would take the land. He sent them there to recon, to check it out, to, you know, let us know where their strengths are and their weaknesses are, to give us a overview of the, the obstacles that we face and the challenges that we'll meet there in the promised land as we take the promised land, as we claim the promise of God. 
But when the spies came back, they didn't come back with the bright report. They came back saying, well, it's not going to happen. We know what God said, but we just don't feel like we can do it. Now, watch what they say, and this is so good. Chapter 13, verse 32. Now, again, they admit that the land is a wonderful place. They admit that it's flowing with milk and honey, that it would be fabulous, simply marvelous. But notice what happens here. Chapter 13, verse 32, And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature, really big guys. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our eyes, in our own sight, as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. That's something. You know, these guys are saying, we were little we, we, we saw ourselves as being very little. And as, once again, what we find is that how you view yourself is how you believe others view you. So we have to combat these feelings. Because as we begin to look at things, I mean, Joshua and Caleb came back and said, we can do it, let's go. But these men didn't. Instead, they came back and said, we're very little in our own sight. And we are little in their sight. How's that? that? That's not seeing things the way God sees it. God never told them, you guys are really little. You'd have no chance against that enemy. But that's what they, they felt. And you know what? That's kind of how it works with us in the midst of this depression. We've got to see ourselves through the eyes of God. We've got to realize that we're more than conquerors. We've got to recognize the fact that we are somebody. Even when I feel like a big zero, I have to convince myself and tell myself always, God sees me different. God says I'm special. God died for me on Calvary. God said that my life is valuable. God said that my soul is even more valuable. And God, He is my creator. And He knows more than I know. And we begin to take those scriptures that we've memorized or the word of God that we have and we force ourselves to get into it even though we don't feel like it and even though it repulses us at times and we get into it and we go ahead and quote those scriptures and we claim those scriptures and we say, I'm going to talk to myself instead of listening to myself. Now again, that isn't an overnight fix. But like I say, it can't hurt. That's for sure. It's His word and it's His promises. So stop listening to yourself and instead talk to yourself there. Instead of saying, I feel, say, I know. Combat those depressive thoughts. Combat them. Fight them. You won't feel like fighting, but do it anyway. Do it anyway. Number six. Here's something else. Practical again. Do something for someone else. And someone says, that's just not practical. It doesn't work that way. I, I don't know. I just know what the Bible teaches us. And, and, and the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4, Let nothing be done through strife and vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. One of the 
Great things that we can do when we, especially if you catch yourself slipping into that mode. You find yourself entering into it or you wake up one day and you're just like this, it's on, you know. Man, do something for someone else. I mean, bake some cookies and deliver them to somebody in need. A cake. Do something for someone else. I mean, it, it's just too easy to do nothing. But you've got to fight this thing. It's a battle. Some of the greatest preachers in history warred with depression. I mean, some of the greatest preachers in history. It, it's amazing to read sometimes their memoirs or their, 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 about their life stories and to, to read some of the excerpts from their journals. And it's like, wow. How, they were so in the depths of despair. You know where they turned? They didn't have the medicines that we have. And they didn't have some of the... the they didn't have people that really cared about that in those days. They basically said, what's your problem? Buck up, buddy. That's how it was treated in the day. And they got into the book, the Word of God, and they would pray and fast and beg God for deliverance and help. And someone says, well, it's not enough to do that. You need this and you need that. I know, I understand all that. We've got this idea today that God's not big enough to do anything, let alone something this big. And let's just face it, everything we have, everything we do in life has some physical alternative. We can go out into the world and get it fixed and taken care of. I mean, we don't have to wait on anything anymore. We just go buy what we want, get what we want. If we don't have the money, we put it on credit. We, everything's just taken care of by the world today. We don't really have to depend on God for anything, hardly. And when you get in a situation like this, boy, I'll tell you what, sometimes it doesn't matter who you're talking to, who you're listening to, there's nobody that's going to help you but God. So I think doing something for somebody else is a good thing to do. You won't feel like it. I'm not saying you're going to feel good about it. These are things you discipline. You force yourself to do some things. But I have found that some of these things help people to get over the hump or to get through it. And instead of continuing in it, they're able to overcome it with God's help. Doing things for others gets our minds off of ourselves. So the, and basically, that's what the Bible's saying. We can't focus on ourselves. That's not a good thing. And so as best as we can, as much as we can, we try not to do that. And again, you know, I, I told you, I'm not going to deal with why you're feeling depressed. I'm just going to tell you some suggestions and things that help because if I'm not careful, somebody says, you just don't understand. It's a medical thing, so it doesn't matter what you do. It won't help. You know, that's not going to help. Well, okay, whatever. I'm telling you, I've talked to a lot of people. I've made some suggestions along the way. And people have returned to me and said, that helped me. Maybe it'll help you. It may not. I'm just saying it can't. It might. Doing something for someone else can be helpful at times. Number seven. This is important, too. Remember you're not alone. Remember you're not alone. Boy, I'll tell you what, you feel that way. You could have six people standing around you going, I love you. You're so special to us. You're valuable to us. And you're going, whatever. I don't even want to hear it. Just get out of here. I don't even want to hear it. But you do need to remember why. Because God says some things. Look at Elijah in Romans chapter 11. Turn to Romans chapter 11 and consider Elijah here. See, I, Elijah knew a little bit about depression, I believe. Watch what happens to Elijah. 
I mean, this is a man of God. This is one of those men that God used in a mighty way. But yet he found himself in this position where he literally wanted to die. Well, that sounds a little bit like depression to me. Notice it says in Romans 11, verse 2, God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. What ye not, what the scripture saith of Elias? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. What's going on here is that literally Elijah feels all alone. He says, listen, they've killed the prophets. They've digged down thine altars. They've wrecked and ruined the faith. I'm the only one standing for God and they seek my life. And if you read in the scriptures in the Old Testament, he virtually is like, you know, just take me home. This is ridiculous. I'm the only one. I'm so discouraged. I'm standing on my own. Nobody backing me up. Nobody cares about me. Sounds like he knew a little bit about depression. But the Lord says, listen, that's not the case at all. You're not alone. There are a number of people in this with you. And although you may feel you're isolated and all by yourself, I want you to always remember, not only am I there for you, but there are other people that love you and care about you, and they are there. You've got to let them in, and you've got to let them help. It's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. But it's true. Gehazi, interesting, let me just read it. 2 Kings chapter 6. I love this passage. Verse 14, 2 Kings six fourteen. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city with both horses and chariots. And his servant, this is Elijah's servant, said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Or what are we going to do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. <laughs> Elisha prayed. I, cannot, I can only imagine. Here's this, this army gathered around the city, and they're after Elisha. They're after Elisha. And Gehazi, his servant, says, Man, you, they're all over. He says, Don't worry about it. They that are with us are more than they that are with them. He's probably like, You're nuts, old man. You're crazy. Have you gone senile? Look at those heels. Look at them out there. And you say, how can you say that about Gehazi? Well, because Gehazi later on, we know that he wasn't really that spiritual of a man. (laughs) Because later on, he would lie and go take garments and things from Nahum that he did not and should not have taken. So he didn't really respect the man of God like he should have anyway. And he certainly didn't have the faith he should have had. So I got to believe that Gehazi at times, when he heard that, he probably thought to himself, old Elisha has lost his mind now. And notice what happens. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. See, you're not alone, and neither am I. You know, you may feel alone, but you're not alone. And you can't forget that. You have to remember you're never alone. You have God, the Lord Jesus Christ, living in you, and you have others, honestly, that are there for you, that care about you. Number eight, and finally, 
Review the names and attributes of God. Review the names and attributes of God. The battle that we fight is in the mind. It really is. I mean, every battle that we fight overall is in here. You say, no, it isn't. If you've got a big guy standing up against you, you've got to fight him physically. I know, but let's face it. To face him, you have to fight a battle in the mind already. And then to keep going when you feel like quitting it, it's all up here. It's not as physical often as you would think. It's often mental. That's why in sports, great athletes are often tremendously, they have tremendous um, power over their mind. They're able to push themselves to a, a different level. They can somehow put pain out of their mind. They can focus and move forward when others would just give up and quit. You know, the child of God has to learn to fight those battles. Again, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. But notice, review the names and attributes of God. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, here it is now, listen to this, and learn of me. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's important that we recognize or learn of Him. We, we need to recognize who He is and what He's all about. See, God is infinite. He is omnipotent. God is good and God is love. And He is immutable and just and holy. He is omniscient and omnipresent. God is sovereign and God is wise. And when we look at some of the attributes of God and we begin to get to know who He is, you know what we realize? We realize we can trust Him. That He's big enough to depend on and trust. That we don't have to worry. And when things aren't going our way, we can say, you know what? I don't get it. I don't fully understand what He's trying to accomplish or what He's doing or why. But I can trust Him with my life and my circumstance because I know something about Him. He's worth trusting. Boy, when you can come to that place, it'll help you tremendously. And again, it's kind of one of those things, again, where we're talking to ourselves instead of listening again. Where we say, listen to me, God is good. God is good. When we feel like He isn't at that time. And boy, God loves me, even though we don't feel very loved. And God is all-powerful, and God is able to overcome this in my life. We don't want to hear that at that point, but it's true. We have to continue to talk to ourselves instead of listen. Now, I've, I've mentioned a number of things. And, and somebody may say, well, those are all good, but when you are really depressed, those things are very, they're not very helpful. Okay, then let's do this then. Why don't we all start listening to good music now then? And why don't we just go ahead and open the blinds and turn on the lights a little bit more instead of sitting in the darkness watching a stupid TV all day? You get where I'm going? Now, even when the TV's on, I want the blinds open. I can't stand darkness. It drives me crazy. That puts me in depression already almost. And then be in God's house when you're supposed to be there, when the doors are open. Don't pick and choose when you want to be here. Let God decide when you're going to be here. And he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because that's where you'll be uplifted. That's where you'll be exhorted. That's where you'll be encouraged. Man, be encouraged before you get discouraged. And then sometimes just pray out loud just because it's fun. Now, don't pray about your sin out loud. Sure enough, somebody will have a tape recorder there or something. 
you know, or be videotaping you or something, putting it on Facebook or something. And then combat those depressive thoughts. Get to know who God is. Spend time in the Word of God and really work at that thing. Anytime that there's a thought that comes into your mind that you know is not something that is Christ-honoring, get it out of there. Don't allow it to fester and don't allow it to take root in your heart and your life. Even if it's something about you, a negative thought about yourself. Boy, the Bible says that His thoughts toward us are always good. Well, how come our thoughts toward us aren't good then? That's Satan in our life. That's the devil trying to discourage us. Man, he wants to hurt us and he wants to harm us and he wants to destroy us. I can't even tell you how special you are to God. I can't begin to even describe how unique and how important you are to him. Amen. And yet, honestly, we are our worst, our own worst enemies usually. Yes. Boy, we hurt ourselves so often. We get mad when other people put us down or say things that are critical of us. But the truth is we're probably more critical and destructive toward ourselves than anybody else is. I'm not saying we got to go around acting prideful. I'm just saying we need to be careful that we see ourselves the way God does. Work at that and practice. Anytime you have those negative... Some of these teenagers, I promise you, they have negative thoughts about themselves. I'm not good enough looking. I wish I was this, and I wish I was that, and I wish this and this, and I wish God would have done this instead, and I don't know why I'm the only one that can't talk well, and I'm the one, why I'm not the one that doesn't, you know, I'm not smart like she is or he is, and I'm not, you know, this, and I'm not, man, I'll tell you what, that's so negative and critical. Man, you don't have any right to talk about yourself that way, because that's not how God sees you. Quit, quit talking, quit listening to yourself and start talking to yourself and say, I'm somebody, he died for me. I'm special, God loves me. He created me with a purpose, and I don't know what that is, but I'm going to fulfill that purpose. And others may think I'm not everything I ought to be, and right there we just did it. Didn't you see what I just said? We're so used to doing that. Others may think. You know why they think we think that? Because we think that. I just did it myself. You see how I am? It's, just, it's ingrained in us. I know what they're thinking about me. We probably thought about it about ourselves. Boy, let's switch our thinking around a little bit. Maybe before we get depressed... Doing something for someone else will help us. It'll keep us from getting there all the way. Maybe it'll help put us over the hump, keep us from allowing ourselves to feel useless. Remember, you're not alone always. Keep reminding yourself of that. When you hurt, somebody else is hurting. That's all there is to it. Because no man, no woman's an island. So these are just a few ideas and thoughts today. Just a few. I, I hope they help somebody. I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not a, you know, a psychiatrist. I'm not a sociologist. But, you know, I believe that the Word of God is still able to help us. And I believe basic fundamental principles and just simple practical things truly make a difference. But there is not one thing in this world that will help you in your life more than getting rid of sin in your life. If there is open sin in your life, if there's something you're doing that goes contrary to this book, you need to repent of it and deal with it because I promise you this, it will be a root of depression in your life one day if you don't face it and deal with it. And and if you start to feel those feelings, 
why, why don't you talk to somebody you really trust early on before it gets so bad that you can't talk to anybody? Maybe mention it to a good friend that you know won't put you down or take it lightly, but will actually be serious with you. Why don't you maybe mention it to a Sunday school teacher or to the pastor, somebody that might be able to say, let's at least pray together. Let's just keep up with one another. Let's make sure things are moving. Why don't you go visiting and soul winning? And they maybe they'll help get you out of the house a little bit. Do something with you to keep you from continuing to go spiraling downhill. Be willing to listen to people and take advice at times. And get the help you need. And if you need medical attention, get it. It's okay if that's what you really need. But don't discard this book and the Lord that made you. He can press a button in our heart and fix us immediately if he chose. So let's not discount his power and presence in our life. Live for God. Be obedient to the Lord. Don't try to straddle the fence with the world and Christ. Let's live for him. And so many things will, will work out better for you when you know you're committed to him wholly and completely. Father, we come to you. We thank you, Lord. For